does it mean to be called crazy in a crazy world? This is Will Hall, and welcome to Madness Radio. I'm your host, and our guest today is Oryx Cohen. I'm very excited to have Oryx on the show. Oryx is the acting executive director of the National Empowerment Center, uh, which is a leading survivor-run organization and does a lot of work nationally and internationally. And he's also the co-producer of the new documentary film, Healing Voices. So welcome to Madness Radio, Oryx Cohen. Thank you, Will Hall. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, you have been on Madness Radio, I think, three times in the past. So anyone who's interested in checking out your past shows is welcome to head on over to the Madness Radio website. I think there might also be some of the shows on the KBOO website and listen to those archived recordings. Today, we're going to be talking about an experience that you had last year where you went into, I don't know what to call it, an, an altered state? A, I mean, a manic state would be the kind of the diagnostic term, or what, what would you call it, an altered state of consciousness? Or Yeah, I, like, I prefer altered state myself. Some people would might call it psychosis or an extreme state, uh, but I, I like altered state. We don't really hear much about these states from people who've been through them. And I was also one of the supporters. I was at a distance. Of course, we're very good friends and have done a lot of work together over the years. And I then came and visited you in the hospital at the end of the whole process. It was quite a scary, quite intense, quite awesome process. But it wasn't actually the first time that you've been in one of these states. You you have been in a, a number of similar kinds of experiences and then were on medication in the system and then came out of that and came off the medication. Maybe you want to just to set us up here, give us a little bit of a background on what went on before the experience that happened last year. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I had had a couple other experiences that um, kind of set me on my path to do the work that I do now, uh, which started in 1999. I had my first experience with an altered state and then uh, had another experience in 2002 and it had been quite a while so this one this last one definitely took me by surprise so i've gone through three of these um altered states or another another term that i like is vision quest vision quest uh, yeah yeah other other cultures use use that term Mm-hmm. for a similar type experience. So some of the language makes us a little scared and some of it is more positive. And is it fair to say that that was what you went through, a mixture of things that were scary and and maybe more um, joyful or more positive or growthful for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think all all three of my experiences have been a combination of all of those and um, I think that too often we we see these experiences as at least in our culture as very black and white as being negative and um, like there's something wrong with the person who's going through the experience and we don't look at all at the positive side of these experiences. We don't even talk about these experiences. So yeah, I think it was all of those. And I think that's basically also what life is about. Life is not just all positive or all negative. Um, And I'm thankful that I did have uh, some real powerful 
what I consider spiritual um, experiences with with all of my altered states. I know that some people's states are you know more negative and some some maybe even more more positive um, than mine. We all differ in, in how we experience life. Now, I, I was found a supporter at yeah. a distance in one of the states that you went through in the past, and then I was more involved this last time. And, and I have to say, I mean, it was it was scary for me. And I think that's really common when someone's personality suddenly changes when they don't seem interested in the kinds of ordinary routines that they are usually interested in. And then when you just have a really hard time communicating with them, and then you start to worry about their safety or about... You're, you know, are, is someone going to be around them to take care of them? Are they going to stay up with them? Or how, how are we going to respond? I mean, it can be a scary and overwhelming thing. And so I think that was one of the challenges for me in, in, in both um, experiences, the, the one that happened many years ago and then the one that happened last year, was kind of holding on to both of those sides, both the, the fear part and the negatives and also the, the positive, the, the potentially spiritual or growthful experiences because you yourself are seem far away, like you are on some journey and it's hard to kind of translate or understand or be able to speak your language enough or reach you enough in those states to kind of get a check-in from you about what you might need or what you might want or, or where you're at. So it's, it was a pretty awesome experience, both frightening and um, hopeful, I think. I, I can say, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit later, but uh, when people say, that sometimes psychosis can lead to growth and change and make a positive contribution that you come out of it stronger or healthier or more healed. Personally, Oryx, I've really seen that in you. Um, you seem like you are more solid, stronger, clearer, uh, more expressive, freer, more relaxed uh, since your experience last year. I mean, I, I think that's that's how you yourself feel. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Again, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about people who are going through altered states. And so there's this misconception that you can't, you can't connect. And, um, and I understand that it's scary for people around because the, whoever the person is, their personality has changed and they're kind of, they're in a different place in a different space. So, um, it can be hard, but if, if people around the person stay calm and recognize that what they're going through it can be an important experience, um, then that leads to just more opportunities of connection and get beyond their own fear in the situation. That's a huge yeah. thing. <laughs> Which <laughs> is really, really hard to do. Yeah, a person going through these states, and I can speak for myself, we're very sensitive to other people's emotional states, even though we may not seem like it. <laughs> it's because the way that we behave or, or whatever, um, but we are quite sensitive. And, and so it's important to, while doing that, also keep your boundaries and express when when enough is enough and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I agree that um, this was a big experience for me. And what, what I was going through at the time uh, was a lot of stress involved with organizing a national conference combined with um, what I now consider some unresolved trauma. Trauma like childhood trauma that you've been carrying childhood around your life, trauma. yeah? 
Yeah. My parents divorced when I was five and mm -hmm. I never really dealt with it. I never thought that it affected me a whole lot. Um, I started to have some marital difficulties, um, which I, I think were kind of normal relationship issues. So, so you said that you, um, you had a big responsibility organizing this conference and you also had some leftover trauma from your childhood um, around your parents' divorce. And then also at the same time, your own marriage was going through the difficult, some difficulties at the time of your oldest daughter reaching the same age that, that you were when your parents divorced. So that's a lot of, is that what you're saying? That those are the kind of the, re that's sort of the recipe for your, your going on your altered state journey is those elements. Yeah. So I started feeling like I needed to get a divorce. Um, and it was a scary feeling. Here's someone I had, you know, been through a lot with, um, was my life partner and we know two children and, um, just having that thought of maybe it's not going to work out was very scary. And then combined with all the stress I was under at that conference, I started to not sleep a whole lot. That's a recipe for me going in an altered state. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like the altered state was a, a way for me to uh, deal with this unresolved trauma combined with the current situation I was in, in a, in a way that I um, wasn't able to deal with at the time in regular reality. So a big part of my altered state was um, trying to figure this out. Um, what I, I basically came to was that my wife is my soulmate. And um, so it was a beautiful part of the altered state. Yeah. How does, very, your, how does very, your wife feel about that? Does she agree? Yeah. Yeah, she agrees. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she was she was also scared by yeah. the altered state, but so she I likes mean, that part of <laughs> Yeah. So you so you you put it so so clearly clearly Oryx. I mean, this is a mixture this is a very powerful mystery of how this comes to pass that we go into these altered states because almost like we need to that there's a certain kind of healing that needs to happen because they're very real unresolved issues. And it's kind of like you, you said, you weren't really dealing with some of the things that had been going on. So you're not dealing with them consciously. So your psyche or your organism or your deeper self kind of forces the issue to make you deal with it. But at the same time, there's yeah. sort of like this um, circumstance element. And we could also say, we could almost say it's like a coincidence or a synchronicity a meaningful coincidence that, hey, there's this conference and, hey, you're not sleeping and we don't know quite what happened. Why was it that Oryx Cohen, who knows that he has a hard time if he doesn't sleep, why was it that you slipped and said, oh, I'll just start to pull some all-nighters organizing this conference? What was going on with you? I, I do think there's a reason that I went into the altered state because it wasn't the only time in the past 10 years or so before the last time I had had an altered state uh -huh. that I had been in really stressful situations. I mean, anybody who has kids know that knows that yeah. uh, when you have little babies, you're not sleeping a whole lot. And there was other times when I was stressed out and not sleeping all that well. Right. Um, so I just think it all it all came to a head. I think I did push myself even more than 
usual. Yeah. And so I was getting a little bit sloppy about my self-care, I guess. So you had been you had been stressed and sleep deprived in the past, so we can't really say that that was the the only ingredient here. That actually maybe that provided who knows a, a, an opportunity or an opening or a pathway that yeah. the state could come through and and when we you know we're talking we're using the word altered state you know but a psychiatrist very clearly and later they did diagnose you as a, as a manic psychosis i mean this is a yeah. very extreme change that you were your personality was in a completely different place and you were you were acting and talking in ways that got people around you who were very very tolerant open people who were who have themselves been through these states and this, themselves been in hospitals and that got us worried for your safety. Um, and one of the things, of course, that we were worried about was that you were going to end up in the hospital. So it wasn't just the state that we were worried about. It was the response of the police and the response of doctors and the response of uh, medical and psychiatric personnel, which is often traumatizing. And can we say that this was, I mean, this was happening in Texas and not to not to stereotype Texas, but you know there aren't a lot of um, resources there. You were far away from home, and so we were also worried that wow, what kind of system are you going to get caught up in? What what kind? What's the quality of the care of the hospital that's going to be available? Is there going to be any kind of peer services or any kind of alternatives around you? Or are you going to be stuck far away in some some situation that's really really bad and potentially very abusive? So that was part of the fear that we also had was for your safety from the people who would be trying and wanting sure. yeah. to help you. Yeah. And I think another misconception is that when you're in this altered state, you have absolutely no control or no responsibility. And one, one thing that I re do regret is uh, the way that I treated people in the altered state. And I don't plan on going in another one, but if Thank I was you. ever... <laughs> <laughs> if I was ever in another one, I would hope that I would treat people better. Um, and I hope, would hope people that would hold me accountable to treat them better. Um, but, you know, I didn't had a lot of, I actually had a lot of leadership in what happened, maybe, maybe too much. But, you know, I could have done a lot of things that would have been damaging, like, you know, walk around the hotel room and talk to certain people. And, you know, but I had enough control to realize I didn't. Uh, to realize the state I was in, yeah, to not want to interact with people that I didn't really trust, yeah, um, yeah, and it was my, it was my, um, and I, and I took a lot of leadership in figuring out how I was going to get home. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is so important what you say, Orcs, because the assumption is that the the person is kind of in this diseased, feverish fugue and they have it's like they're sleepwalking they have no control but actually you're saying that you did have some c control and you did have you do you were making some choices and i think that's that's an important thing i think we're going to come back to in a minute is what what lessons you learned and what kind of directions you'd like to go if this ever happened to you again but and i think there's also a kind of a question of like well how did you get out of the state how what finally happened so maybe why don't you tell us the whole story i mean tell us from the moment you're at the conference and you are really stressed out you haven't slept and then what happened? And then we'll take it all the way through and we'll discover what got you through the whole journey and got you back. Yeah, I had not slept for a couple of days uh, very well at all. And I uh, was under a lot of stress. And um, what what happens to me when I go into these altered states is I actually have a seizure 
which I've looked more into. Um, it's called complex partial seizure. And it's been linked a lot to um, spiritual experience, actually. So, so, so when you say uh, seizure, you mean kind of like epileptic seizure? Yeah, like my head went back. I, uh, I went into a full seizure. Um, while it was, in fact, while I was packing up my equipment, uh, you know, after a successful conference. And when I woke up from the seizure, I was staring into the light in the ballroom. Uh-huh. And uh, and I was immediately confused because I didn't know what happened, and I thought I actually thought I had died wow. originally. Uh huh. I really th- I think of you as you said um, that this is really connected to spiritual experiences, and if you read an anthropological accounts of shamanism, of spirit healers and medicine people in traditional societies, often it's very connected to epilepsy and seizures. So what you're saying is really, really interesting because I, I think it's definitely in a different culture what you're describing would be seen as a shamanic journey or some kind of visionary journey. Yeah. So you, you wake up out of the seizure, you go unconscious in the seizure, you wake up, you're looking at this light up in the sky, the, the <laughs> roof of the, the ceiling of the, of the ballroom or the conference room, and you think you're dead. And then what, what happens then? Then... Um... I, I must have had a very dazed look on my face. Um, so one of my best friends, Jennifer Constantine, uh, she she saw me and recognized that I was looking confused and helped me to get back to my hotel room. Um, and then basically for the next two or three days, I was in my hotel room going through a bunch of stuff and trying to figure out what had just happened. And I and like and I knew that uh, I didn't really want to interact with other folks. Besides, there was a few a team of people that that kind of w- were with me uh-huh. uh, in that hotel room. So your friends uh, kind of gathered around you and created a vigil because you were because I, I, I talked with you on the phone a few times. I wasn't there, but you were like it was like you were super distracted, like someone who was just completely distracted, and then you would talk from that distracted place, which sort of would connect with our reality, but would also be like, huh, what's he talking about? Yeah, yeah, I was going through all kinds of intense visions and journeys. And, and a big part of this, again, was um, kind of journeying through space and time, trying to figure out my relationship with my wife. So when you um, say journeys and visions, what what do you what was your experience inside of that? It's it's hard to describe. There was one time where I felt like I was in different uh, realities and different dimensions, and I had to get back to this reality and this dimension, but I couldn't quite figure out how to do it. Um, but it was like a physical journey. I was like journeying through space and time it was intense which kind of makes sense now because i was in a different place Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i was trying to get back to this version of reality and um you know consensus reality and that took me a little longer than i probably had hoped and people around me had hoped but um so that was one intense experience i i mean i had a ton of these um vision visionary type experiences do you remember how other people experienced you like after you talked about talked about it with them afterwards what kinds of things did people 
tell you that you had done and do you remember some of those things yeah well i was for the most part i was pretty nonverbal. um there were times that i would kind of blurt things out that came to me that maybe were reflective of how people around me were feeling like um, i would say there's nothing to fear except fear itself that's one i would say quite a bit <laughs> um <laughs> i also i was having a lot of spiritual experiences um so one thing that i would do is like a holy trinity and i'm not i'm not like christian or anything <laughs> mm -hmm. but um if i had we had three people in the room you know the three of us would all hold hands and like uh go through this religious experience and uh apparently it was very powerful for every it was powerful for me and it was powerful for everybody involved in the experience so holding hands and like praying or connecting with the trinity yeah, or connecting connecting with with spirit or whatever it is mm -hmm. um another thing that i would do a lot is i would call it uh tethering which um my friend jen and i would when I, when i was supporting her we would tether which is just a way of connecting tethering like uh, kind of like hold the person connected to the mothership or connected to the earth or something yeah but it was actually physical like holding hands would, would be a way to tether yeah and, and that would help help me to connect help you to not float away help me to not float away yeah so there was all kinds of interesting experiences um and then i would i would be i read be reliving some childhood stuff things around the the parents divorce maybe yeah actually i hadn't really thought about it but one of them was um i was like shooting baskets underhand and that was actually when i was five you know a strange thing for someone to be doing in their hotel room is pretend to shoot pretending to shoot baskets underhand <laughs> but, yeah but the age of five was a very significant age for you because you were saying yeah. that was, that connects with when the the trauma yeah. of your, having your parents' divorce happened. And that's how I started out at basketball, was shooting underhand ah. and instead so, of overhand. And so a lot of the people around you were were afraid. What do you think that, that we were afraid of? I mean, there were some things that you did. I guess, I guess a big part of it was kind of the authorities getting alerted and this makeshift sanctuary in a hotel room getting, getting busted and you ending up in the hospital. What were the, some of the things that you did that you think were maybe perceived as dangerous or perceived as scary the time that I wandered out of the hotel room and that scared people. What did you do or what was scary about that? Um, I think people were scared because we were on the 12th floor. Like, so if I, there's like a balcony you know, there or something, there's a balcony. Yeah. Yeah. Had you, had you done anything that was dangerous? Did you climb up on a balcony or did you start to talk about jumping or, were people, or was it just people's own fears of that balcony being there? Yeah, I think it was people's own fears, but I also think that it's good with someone in a state like that to to be somewhat protective. Yeah, um, I didn't have an issue with people being worried about, and that was like the only time that I did that. You know, I, I think I just walked down the walked down the hall. <laughs> so this is kind of why people were doing a 20, 24-7 yeah. vigil with you. But at the time, you, you, you recognized that people were trying to be helpful or trying to protect you. And so you, oh, did, yeah. you didn't argue with them or fight them or something? Or No, no, mm -hmm. no. 
I might have even apologized. I I, I hope I did, but um, what do you think was the hardest part of this for your supporters? I think the hardest part is the amount of energy it takes to support someone in an mm. altered state. Like in what in what sense? Like how how come it takes so much energy? For someone who doesn't know anything about these states, like what is it about it that would take so much energy? Well, I guess it it also takes a certain type of person. Like for me, I don't it doesn't for most I've been with a lot of people in altered states. It doesn't take a whole lot of energy out of me to be with somebody there. But for some people, it it takes a lot of energy because here's someone who used to being totally different. And now they're going through this thing. And if you want to connect, then you got to be really curious about what they're going through. And and to be curious, you, you need to listen and try to connect and be with them as best you can while holding your own boundaries. And that can be really challenging for someone who's not used to doing that. Um, for me, I'm, I'm pretty curious and like, I want to learn about what someone's going through. So, um, I would hope that I would be a, you know, a good person to be with somebody else. And I think I have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I don't think it has to be this huge energy drain, but it is for a lot of people. So, so it sounds like the, the hotel staff never really, figured out what was going on that you were pretty much hidden away there in in the hotel room we were we were able to 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 hide what was going on from everybody you weren't yelling or <laughs> doing anything too wild in the middle of the night or anything like that and i guess not too too bad um not too bad you were doing some but not too bad. <laughs> there was there was a time um in mississippi once we got on the road Right, because you and all we, climbed into a car to drive across yeah, country, yeah. And this an awesome group of people were with me. Uh, again, not the ideal place to be in an altered state, cooped up in the back of a minivan on the road, but <laughs> right, because you couldn't fly. Was that the idea that if you got into an airplane, they might see that you were in this altered state and then hospitalize you? Was that the fear about air travel at that point? Yeah, or worse, like get arrested. Yeah. Um, Do you think that was a realistic fear? I mean, when they when they prevented you from getting on the plane, well, I was afraid of flying. So the, ah. it really came to me like I was. I didn't want to fly. I was. Ah. I had a genuine fear of doing that. Ah, okay. Um, do you think looking back? Was, do you think so, that looking it, back? Do you think that was smart? I think it was smart. Yeah. So that's yeah, another example of you being able to provide some leadership and taking care of yourself, even though you're in this far out manic so-called psychotic state yeah yeah i think so um there was and so there was a time on the road trip where i yelled some i just screamed in a hotel room in mississippi yeah (laughs) again one of another place you don't really want to be in the hospital what what were you screaming Uh, about i mean what was what was making you scream i don't remember exactly i was in another you know visionary state going through a vision and it was something scary about that vision I was going through but I don't I don't quite remember what it was Mm. um but one of the people basically looked me right in the eye and said if you don't be quiet the police are going to come and take you away and so I took that in and I stopped (laughs) so I was able to take things in 
Very uh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So another example of you taking care of yourself um, and the importance of your supporters really reaching across that gap between this reality and the other reality to, to connect with you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what happens? So now you're, uh, you're on the road, you're in this, this road trip with these supporters, you know, people, your friends who are not with you are all getting reports, long distance reports of your progress. And then what happened? Well, one, one kind of side note for the trip is that um, another example of how, you know, these states are not just black and white. You're not just kind mm -hmm. of in them or mm -hmm. not in them or whatever, is that I was actually able to interact the best when we went out to eat. <laughs> oh. So like we would go to these public restaurants and I would help pick them up, pick out the restaurants using Yelp. And then like once we went to the restaurants, I was like, fine. I'd have regular conversations. <laughs> um, really? So was that was that you kind of knowing that you were in public and needed to kind of hold it together? Yeah, I think so. And I also really like going out to eat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to I mean I have to say because I, I also I spend a lot of time with people in altered states and I'm always surprised. I mean, people who seem like they're the most out of it, you know, the police show up and then boom, they're they got it together or they end up in the hospital and they just hold it together and act normal. Then they get back home and it all just unravels again. So it's interesting the role of kind of choice or personal intention in, in a lot of this, that the person is actually in more control than we often think. It's just that we haven't got kind of access to communicating with them in a way that we're familiar with. Yeah. And I think there's also fear around, oh, this person is, you know, we've done all we can and this person's not coming back to us, you know, what are we going to do? And, yeah. uh, and, you know, unfortunately I haven't found a really great way to come back from these states completely um, without having to be in a hospital. And this was the longest time that I had ever been kind of free to go through this process. And it was really powerful. And because uh, that was the, that was the intention of the people around you was to create a holding environment for you to just go and do what you needed to do. Yeah. But at the same time, we were all pretty wigged out and we wanted you to sleep. And so that was, I think, when the medications came in. But were there more, before we get to that part of the story, what, um, were there some more things that happened on the road trip when you're going across country in this, in the car with your friends? Was there any, any uh, danger? Were people, did people ever feel like you were in danger? Well, there was one time that we stopped at a rest stop. And for whatever reason, I, I thought that I needed to, uh, go to the other side of this fence mm -hmm. which there was a highway on the other side of the fence so again a good reason to have people around you but uh so i start i like took one step up the fence and then people like stopped me um and then i immediately realized you know again this this idea of connection and whatnot i it kind of snapped me out of whatever state i was in and i was like oh sorry so, so, you, so do you feel like you were in danger at that moment? That that wasn't the right thing to do. I, I don't think it's the safest thing to do to walk on the side of a highway. But yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't. A, I wasn't going to walk into traffic or anything. You like weren't. That. I mean, because I, I mean, I've walked on the side of a highway before. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not the best thing to do. But I I think they were afraid I was you know going to walk into traffic. But that yeah. wasn't what I 
So again, it's like it comes back to that mantra you were repeating. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. The people around you were more afraid than you were in some ways. Something we talk about a lot in Madness Radio, but it's it's very powerful to see this taking place among people who are very familiar with these states, who have themselves been through them, because it's so primal, it's so deep, it's so powerful. You you can't really understand it until you're in the presence of someone who's in an altered state. And if there's someone that you know and are familiar with, it really shakes you up. And so I I I'm wondering also like did you were there was there a part of you that wanted to be just left alone? Cuz you got all these people worried about you around you. Did you really need people to reach out to you and to try and communicate with you and to try and hear you and understand what you need? Did you really want that or did you prefer just to uh to be on your own? Oh, no, I definitely wanted people around. You did. Um, you did. Yeah, I didn't I didn't want to be left alone with everything I was going through which is kind of what kind of what happened when things kind of turned took a turn at the end so is there anything more you want to say about the road trip before we we talk about your arrival back in massachusetts and how that went it was a very interesting road trip jen was on the road trip as well and yeah i remember texting with her a lot in the in the van uh-huh. Uh, do you have those? Do you have those text messages that you save them? I have them. They're they're some. Yeah, <laughs> be interesting to go back <laughs> at some point. So you so you arrive yeah. in Massachusetts, and then what happens? So uh, back to Massachusetts, and that's basically the we accomplished the goal of that that journey, and everybody had to go their separate ways. Because this had been going on for like a week now, right? Or yeah, week like and a half. week. Yeah, another another thing that's really good about supporting someone in altered state is to have uh, shifts and rotate, you know, yeah, uh, rotations and whatnot. And so this particular group had no break. Wow. For like a week, and on this, you know, road trip is a road trip is hard enough without yeah having to support someone in an altered state. Um, so everybody's exhausted, uh, but I end up home. And, um, and then I don't think I anticipated how difficult that would be to go from a situation where I was kind of the center of attention and I had people supporting me to, to my house where now I had to be a a husband and a father. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I had, I had responsibilities. Yeah. Um, and um and and the people around me weren't were not their number one focus was not me so um it was the children and that's rightly so yeah uh, but it was it was a tough it was a tough transition for sure okay so you, so now you're in, you're not in quite the same supportive holding context and then what happened well actually the first night home i was i slept quite a bit and um i think i could have been on the road to coming out of this um i just wasn't quite ready to be home yet Uh um and 
um, you know, some things happened that I don't really want to get into. Um, but, you know, you know, yeah. I could have done better. I think people around me could have done a bit better too. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it is what it is. And things just kind of spiraled out of control again. And I didn't sleep well for a night and is it, is it fair to say that just the maybe just the stresses of being back in a family your, your family with your wife and your kids that just added a certain kind of pressure that contributed to things is that fair to say yeah yeah and um you kind of weren't ready yet you weren't really ready to come back to that context no. and people and you know people were afraid of how how i was behaving how is that going to affect the kids and that, oh, yeah. you know, that fear kind of probably yeah. made things worse. Well, daddy is no longer sense, daddy in some, some way. I remember. I can sense that fear and, yeah. um, and so things just kind of spiraled out of control because I think ultimately the goal was, you know, to protect whatever protecting the children means, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't like in a dangerous state or anything like that. Um, but there was this, you know, this fear around how I was affecting the children, I think. And so that led to me um, at first trying to have some sort of support at a kind of a makeshift uh, peer respite because there was no openings at a peer respite at the time. Yeah, that's that's an important part of the story because this is why we need the resources devoted to alternatives and peer respite. So when people are in need, they aren't just turned away like you were. Yeah, and then so I ended up um, I ended up at one of the worst hospitals in uh, in Massachusetts. Wow. So, so you were, so how did that happen? How did you get, how did you get, you're at your house and then what happens? And that's not working. Well, they, uh, a group of people brought me over to this, uh, place that was again, like going to attempt to be a makeshift peer respite, but they weren't, they weren't equipped, um, to be, to be with someone going through what I was going through you were just so, so far out of ordinary reality still yeah yeah and um and so uh that didn't last very long <laughs> i don't know half hour or something and then uh and then someone called uh called the authorities and said i needed to be um you know hospitalized and so at that point, the police come and uh, ambulance comes, and, um, and that was totally unnecessary as far as your concern, and, and also looking back on it. I think it's unnecessary if you have enough resources. Yeah, I think um, I wasn't dangerous, or I was, you know, I, I didn't commit any crimes or anything. Um, so, uh, I was just very difficult to be around. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, but then I was, um, 
you ended up in the worst Forced hos- to- worst hospital yeah. in Massachusetts. Which hospital? Oh, just so we're clear. Um, I don't, yeah, I'm not gonna name the hospital. Okay, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a number of them. You can probably narrow it down if you yeah. start asking even around. In, even in a progressive state like Massachusetts, there are. Yeah, which is a pretty pretty wealthy state with a lot of liberal politics for sure. And so then then what happened? Well, so then, uh, so, so that really, you know, for better or worse, it kind of woke me up like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble here. Yeah, the police, and, will, do, the police will do that too, yeah. And uh, I better get my stuff together. And, um, you know, that combined with being zonked with some powerful drugs like Haldol um, yeah. was kind of a turn like helped force me into <laughs> back into uh, consensus reality. How did, how did it do that exactly? Was it the sleep piece or what, what, what do you think? Or was it just the kind of the tranquilizing your wild mind and sort of shutting everything down and putting a clamp on it? I don't know exactly um because i had gotten some really good sleep uh in the past few days and also but and that week i had been taking some minimal medication to help me sleep too yeah um so i don't think there's any like magic about a hospital right or you know you can take a ton of medication at home and do a similar thing to yourself but yeah because it, it um, seemed it seemed to me like what what happened was that you went from the altered state that you were in at the hotel and at the road trip you went from that altered state then into the milder altered state maybe of being on meds because when i saw you when you got out of the hospital you you like you said you were zonked on you were zonked on meds you were more docile and cooperative you weren't like talking in a confusing way you weren't like moving around but you were you were in an altered state from the meds in a sense yeah and it wasn't it wasn't like an immediate thing there was i was still having some very interesting experiences in the hospital hmm. uh for a few days like what kinds of things i i remember there was something with the there was a karaoke group or something and um there was something with the karaoke machine that was, I mean, just sounded different to me than it would like in uh, normal, normal reality. Like, uh-huh. and, um, I was still putting all kinds of connections together and, um, things like that. And, um, and actually those types of experiences that, um, those kind of synchronicities or, mm-hmm. um, the way I see it as connection with more of a spiritual world. Mm-hmm. I've, I've still had a lot of those in the past two years, um, which has been really awesome actually. Huh. Um, because I haven't had to go into a complete altered state to have those experiences. Yeah. Well, let's, um, uh, let's talk about that. I mean, we talked in the beginning about how, there were some ways in which this was positive and it helped you to kind of engage with or confront some of the things that you weren't 
engaging with around your your marriage, your family, and then your your childhood history. So how how did this experience kind of get integrated? What was it that you did with it, and how did it benefit you once you finally get out of the hospital? Well, uh, I, I I think feeling more comfortable in my marriage and uh, has helped me and has helped my wife and has how did it make you how did it make you more comfortable in your marriage though well having this pretty intense spiritual journey where i oh. discovered that she was soulmate um ah. yeah definitely uh definitely helped um and uh so I, I and also we actually um we went through some uh open dialogue mm-hmm. uh, yeah i remember being part being part of that yeah and open dialogue is uh one of the most successful approaches in the world um and we do have some open dialogue therapy available in the us and so we went to a couple sessions and uh, got a lot out of it. Um, so you were able to talk about some issues in your marriage that you hadn't talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and also, did how did you sort of benefit from addressing some of the childhood issues with your your the divorce of your parents, or was it all connected with the um, you know your daughter reaching the age that you were when the divorce happened? Um, I just think it helped me heal a bit from that and to to recognize that it did impact me um because sometimes i think there's we we don't want to talk about our trauma yeah especially especially men in our culture yeah um so that was healing and it also led to me um having some healing conversations with my mom um, and reaching out to her and and, uh, setting up like a specific time to talk about some stuff that happened in childhood. And um, that was really good for both of us. Incredible. So you, so you kind of leave this reality and then you come back and now you're actually closer to the two most or two of the most important people in your life. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And like I said in the beginning, I mean I've I've noticed real changes in you. I mean, you seem more confident, freer, more expressive, more relaxed. Is that you are you noticing that in the past, in the year since you came out of that altered state? Yeah, I feel I feel that um and maybe some of that is uh I feel like I do have more of a connection understanding of how the universe works um, based on having these altered states. I'm not going to say that I have everything figured out, but... Well, just out of uh, curiosity, how does the universe work? <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm on the same page as you. I think that we do have an intelligent universe and that um, we're all an integral part of it and part of uh 
what maybe even leads to these altered states is this sense that we're disconnected from from everything and, and in fact we're actually a lot more we're in fact we're connected we're connected with everything yeah um and it sounds uh, right to me man <laughs> <laughs> so now yeah, you, you i think go ahead but i just and also you know, going through these states, you kind of realize that it's more complicated than just this physical reality that we have, that we share. Yeah. Um, there's more, there's more going on in the universe. Yeah. Um, the coincidences. And I think people also around you said you, you got quite telepathic in there at times. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you experience that? Uh, be curious to to hear what they have to say about that. I haven't, they just haven't shared of, that. Please. It's just uncanny. <laughs> you would just be talking about things. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. I was. Because, yeah. Well, well, along those lines, I mean, you you said before that there were you know we talked about a number of the lessons that can be learned from this experience, but you said before that you did feel that you wanted people to hold you a little bit more accountable, because what I've what I've noticed is that people who are in the mental patient role are so controlled and not listened to and disregarded and discounted that when we, when we want to help them in a different way, we almost go too far in the opposite direction. We kind of want to put them in the driver's seat. And then we forget as helpers, we forget our own boundaries, our own needs. We don't speak up. We're like, wow, this person's in a very sacred journey. I can't tell them I need a break now. You know, I've got to stay with them for this yeah. sacred journey. And, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that people should have been more um, speaking up about holding you accountable about how you were treating the people around you? Yeah, I do think that would have been helpful for everybody if people did stand up a bit more. Well, what's an example of that? Well, I mean, I can only think of the kind of the examples of when people did mm -hmm. st stand up and I was able to listen and take it in um but uh you know i think people overall were just getting really tired and um so to to just be more clear about where where people were at but also just i mean that that stuff was really minor um yeah. Yeah, I think because the the journey itself was a huge was a success was a huge success. I was thinking that I mean it's an extraordinary um, it's an extraordinary thing that people accomplished to get you out of Texas, get you back to Massachusetts. You come through. I mean, yes, there's this sort of detour into the hospital, but ultimately, you came out of the hospital. You slowly get off those medications, and now you're stronger than ever. That's right. And you came out all the way from Costa Rica to get me out of the hospital. Bust me out. I did. You owe me one, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, we, we don't have much more time um, on the show. And I just wanted to ask you, are there any, are there any kind of big lessons that you would want to share with the listeners that, that you came out of this? I mean, I know that you already had a lot of knowledge and personal experience with these states that get called mania or psychosis before you went in. But what was it that you kind of learned that you might want to share with other people who may be listening right now? Yeah. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to uh, the AFIA 
Peter Respite yeah. in Northampton, Massachusetts. Yeah, they really took you uh, in and helped you they out. They took me in after the hospital um, and were a big part of my my healing. I remember I remember visiting Afia, wonderful, wonderful place, really heartful. I mean, that's a place I would want to go if I was if I was out of it and needed a space, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was it's the real deal. The real deal, yeah. Um but uh oh one one thing that I didn't mention uh that was an, uh, another lesson was that um I think I now I now realize that I don't have to go through these altered states to ah. deal with trauma uh-huh that i can uh you know, i still i'm still having these spiritual connections all the time and um and i can deal with my trauma without having to go through an altered state so uh that's been also kind of freeing that is extraordinary. I mean, just to, for people who are a little confused, what we were saying about Afia, A-F-I, I'm sorry, A-F-I-Y-A is the name of the peer respite in in uh, Massachusetts. And what you just said is 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 very extraordinary because I, I think a lot of the people who write about shamanism and the traditional accounts of the initiation of medicine people, that they're at first thrown into some kind of initiation crisis that launches them into other realms. And then part of the learning is how to do it consciously and intentionally so they don't have to be just grabbed and then taken away, but they have some kind of power over it. So it sounds like there's a real parallel. And I know that from your, I always thought this about you, you know, from, from your, one of your past experiences, you were in a car accident when you were in an altered state and it created a little scar on your forehead. And I always think of that as like your Harry Potter scar that you have this, you have this real destiny as a, as a magician. Oh, <laughs> that's cool. I kind of think of it as a separation between two worlds. Well, but maybe those two worlds don't need to be separate. Maybe they don't need to be so separate. Yeah, maybe the problem is that they've been too separate in our civilization. Yeah. Well, Oryx Cohen, thank you so much for joining us on Madness Radio. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to an interview with Oryx Cohen. He's the acting executive director of the National Empowerment Center, and he's the co-producer of the Healing Voices film. Oryx, do you want to, before we sign off, do you want to just say a few words about Healing Voices and how people can find out more about it? Sure. Um, Healing Voices is a film about, um, basically about the issues that we're talking about on this show. It features three different characters. I'm one of the characters. I'm also one of the producers. Uh, directed by PJ Moynihan. And you can... Find out more information by going to www.healingvoicesmovie.com. All right. Thank you, Oryx Cohen, for joining us on Madness Radio. That's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in.